0: Welcome to Q&A Selling Online, with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand.
1: Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome to the show, my friends. Today, we have with us an expert in software engineering, omnichannel app development, DevOps, cloud computing, big data, blockchain, machine learning, and you, you name it. Actually, he actually was invited by IBM, CASCON, and IEEE to present the academic speech uh, of the blockchain cloud computing. So that that should tell you a lot right there. He is also the founder and the CEO of Fintelex, which is an advanced technology consulting and solution solution development company. So we have with us today, Will Zhang. Will, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. How's it going, my friend? Very good. So. Man, you are also, besides what I said, you're also Canada's developer 30 under 30. Uh, and that is, I mean, that's impressive. One, it's almost scary just to name the, the things that you do because um, it is something that I always wanted to do. And I never got to do it, like I mentioned earlier, um, when mm-hmm. we were talking offline. Um, because, man, there's there's a lot of math involved in this and there's a lot of studying and at the time, I didn't have the patience. Right. So uh, congratulations, one, for being able to do that. And was that always your dream? Uh, to be
0: honest, uh, it didn't really got to me until much later stage in my career. In the beginning, uh, I wanted to work for a big company. IBM was my dream company. It meant a lot of cool stuff. Uh, when I was an undergrad, I, I learned a lot about IBM. Like, for instance, IBM Watson. Uh, I learned about SQL, which was like a way of you know designing a database. And uh, uh, first learned about SQL. I learned that IBM was actually played an important part uh, in creating the the SQL convention, Structured Query mm-hmm. Language convention, right? So going into IBM, it was my dream company. Worked there for a little while. I feel like uh, I feel like I wanted something that's a little bit more rapid. Like I'm able to be able to create more things because I. IBM is a huge company, you know. Like, yeah. uh, your contribution uh, sometimes plays uh, a part of a, a bigger, bigger project, right? So, I wanted something that uh, that I, I can have more control with. Like, I can um, build the entire project kind of on my own. Um, so then, I started working for a startup. But once the product launched, I realized that the the learning and sort of this development type of mentality stopped because you're you're moving from just purely development building something to maintaining it and, and and doing operations side of things right so that's when i discover what my true passion is which is the com the constant learning and and adopting and ad- adapting to like newer technologies um, so that's why that's that's what sort of gave the idea of italics and uh and uh, i think two years down the road uh it's it's we're going as growing and going as strong as ever. So so there yeah, here we are.
1: Very good. So you ac- you wanted to work for, for IBM? You did. And then at one point they actually invited you over to do a speech of the blockchain and so, cloud. Yeah, IBM
0: Castle is more like an academic uh seminar or conference that they different scholars. I was in touch with one of the professors, UFT, who invited me to give a workshop at IBM Castle related to Um, you know, building blockchain and cloud native solutions, uh, leveraging blockchain solution. Uh, IBM played a big part in creating enterprise blockchain as well. Uh, I mean, they created hyperledger fabric, which is commonly adopted by the industry as a private construction chain, as opposed to something like Ethereum, which is more public, uh, facing the, you know, the general public.
1: Mm -hmm. So now, You, you are the founder and the CEO of what is the leading experts in omni channel software, because that is a award that you guys won, right? Right. So what, uh, where did first, where did the name come from? What does it mean? So, uh, who are awarded by Welltime Finance, Finance International? Um,
0: that award was given to us mainly because we developed many production grade solutions that are launched in App Store. Uh, to name a few, like you can check out Blur Shop, uh, which is the uh, co- like a luxury product trading platform.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we we designed the app so that they gave the user similar similar type of experience. Wants to use it on mobile, like using mobile as a mobile app, or uh, you view this on a browser, uh, that desktop. So uh, a decent percentage of our clientele are actually startups, and we position ourselves to help start up building POC and move on to second generation, third generation product. And through this iteration cycle, um, we find that um, almost all the startup want to build some type of what we call POC, proof of concept, the first generation product, some easy to use, a simpler version of the product, prototype, so that they can test out the water, see if the market really like their idea, right? And when they do that, it's usually some type of website or web app. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of effort to create. Uh, we build that, but usually, um, the next phase is that they want to build something, you know, on mobile because everyone uses their cell phone nowadays. So to help them set the stage for their second generation product, we design the product with the mindset that they're going to multiple channel, hence the name omni channel, mm-hmm. right? Um, on social media, on mobile, right? In mind and then that really enforces their brand make sure their um, brand awareness is being uh, pushed out through a different channel of product and give the user similar type of user experience um like for instance uh, if you think of airbnb or uber right their user experience is very similar whether you do you use their app on website on browser in desktop or you use it uh, using the uber you know mobile app so that's a, a classic experience of someone who is an organization that are great at designing app with uh, uh, the omni channel experience, creating the yeah. omni channel experience in
1: mind. Very good. So, so, if somebody wanted an app or any kind of development, basically they could go to Fintelex and uh, just ask you or tell you what they want and you guys could develop it. Is that yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. We would do it all. Yeah. I mean, similar spot right there. We are. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I heard that recently you guys became one of the few um, AWS advanced level consulting partners. What exactly does that mean for those that don't know? Is that a big deal? And what does it mean for the business?
0: Yeah, it is. It is kind of a big deal, especially for a company that um, founded in less than three years ago. I mean, they're uh, so AWS stands for Amazon Web Services. It's a cloud computing, um, cloud provider, uh, and it has the biggest market share. It's uh, uh, a spinoff of Amazon, uh, the Amazon Enterprise. And it it's like almost every startup and almost a majority of enterprise, and you now there's Fortune 500 companies now use AWS, Amazon Web Services. And when you become a consulting partner, it, usually they evaluate you based on your, your launch opportunity. How much product have you built on Amazon platform? Amazon Web Services, AWS platform. Uh, and also if, you, if your customer has success stories, uh, if your customer, um, really likes your services. So they evaluate all these criteria and then they decide whether or not they they gave you or award you the designation, uh, to become a, a, a advanced level consulting partner. And it's pretty rare, uh, to become an advanced level consulting partner, especially in the Canadian scene because, uh, um, you know, Canada has a relatively smaller market size and also, uh, and just in general, becoming an advanced novel consulting partner is, is quite difficult because you need to launch quite a few, uh, successful products and, and your team need to have a decent amount of competency. There needs to be qualified professionals with, with proper certifications certified by Amazon. Uh, so I think it is a major accomplishment to sort of put things in perspective. Um, have you ever heard of KPMG?
1: Uh, no. I don't think yeah.
0: So KPMG, PwC, those big consulting firms are advanced level AWS uh you know AWS advanced level consulting partner. Even though that they're pretty big in the auditing and financial sector, but that just, that just sort of speaks for the kind of the kind of level of of difficulty and and, and legitimacy when it comes down to AWS advanced level consulting partner. It's it it speaks uh quite a lot of volume when it comes down to you know cloud computing as a whole mhm yeah
1: have you done any work on uh on the amazon platform itself like developing tools for amazon sellers and anything that connects through to amazon through api right so we 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 built a lot of these
0: products uh for e-commerce yeah. but uh we haven't really uh directly hooked it up to the amazon uh, you know the amazon e-commerce shop yet but it's primarily uh, when it comes down to cloud computing, there's three different types of services. There's infrastructure, which is, you know, hosting and, and de- design for mm-hmm. scalability. Uh, and, um, there's also platform as a service and software as a service. So, um, it's not just really Amazon, the yeah. the e-commerce ecosystem, but more so, how do you develop a more generic software ap- ap- application or software products and host it on Amazon Web Service, which is a, which is technically, think of it as a machine provider.
1: So how were you able, you said it was two, well, around two to three years that uh, that you've been doing it for for your own company. How how was it that you, you managed to achieve so much in such a short time? Like you won awards, you helped several uh, startups during your venture and even the AWS, right? So how did you, what's special?
0: So, so I think it has a lot to do with your passion and drive. Like if you really, like I, for, me, for instance, I really enjoy what I'm doing. So I work as many as like 80 hours weeks, right? Uh, during mm-hmm. the day, I would, you know, enter into some full time engagement, uh, consulting or building product for clients. And then at night, I would have like discussion meetings with the team members and, and also working on like networking and, uh, working on growing the business. So, um, it's really, uh, if you're willing to learn and if you're eager to adapt to the changes, there's a lot of opportunities. And I think that goes, goes, you know, for every industry. Um, uh, I just happen to, I'm blessed and, uh, grateful that I'm in an industry where I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really, uh, helped me in terms of motivating myself and motivating my teammates uh, my, the, the team that I build, the company that I build, every, every individual member. Um, cause it's hard, it's hard when you don't believe in what you preach. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, like if you, if you're real, if you say you're passionate about something, but you're not really, and you don't want to spend the time and effort in like learning every nitty gritty detail of the technology that you're building, it's really hard to convey that to your customer, to your team members. Um, and when that happens, it's, the company won't move as efficiently as as it is, and we're all about building the best practice. It's not just a matter of solving a problem; it's how do you solve the problem with the best way, with the optimal way for our clients. So, um, and the only way for you to go the extra mile is is through passion. So, I think that's that's kind of the secret sauce uh, of how we are able to move that far.
1: I love that uh, the passion is. One of the best drivers for for any, anybody to be able to work those eighty hours a week, uh, a week. and right.
0: yeah, I, it can go up to a hundred hours, and you don't feel tired doing that because uh, because once again you love it. It's it's kind of like your hobby, you know. If you if yeah. you like if you enjoy playing video games, uh, you play that for you know eighty hours, hundred hours. You probably don't won't feel tired at all, right? Um, so it's it's a similar concept here.
1: Exactly. I, uh, I I do I love what I do too, so I do it every single day and you know 12 14 hours a day it's because i mean i love doing it so i understand completely what, what you're saying there All right. so how, how big is your team right
0: now uh so we have about 15 people mm-hmm. uh and uh we're st- we're still growing and expanding not because of the COVID situation uh okay. this this growing speed has been slowing down a little bit we'd like to expand our team and and Onboard uh, more clients, but we're still, uh, you know, kind of an early stage startup, uh, and we have roughly about twenty people if you include the people who are uh, working worldwide.
1: So, yeah. in, in, you're, in people in Toronto office? Yeah. And you're in Toronto, like you just said, uh, Toronto office. Why not Silicon Valley? Is that is that a dream still? Is that a possibility, or you don't care about it?
0: Yeah, I mean, we're looking to expand to US next year, but why Toronto? Because I, you know, grew up in Ontario. I grew up in, uh, in Barry. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's a small town just in North of Toronto and, uh, Toronto just, it seems like the most viable place to kick off your dream kind of in the tech industry. Uh, and it's not, it's not exactly like Silicon Valley in a sense that it's not purely focused on technology. There's, it's also a center of finance, right? So, um, when I founded the company I thought of the name what do I like I like finance I like technology and I like to work to work with smart people so finance technology intellect talents, right so yeah. that that's what really gave the inspiration for the company name but uh I think Toronto just got so much potential and uh, I believe it's going to be you know the Canada's version of Silicon Valley and, and also has something that Silicon Valley doesn't really doesn't really have as much it's more like the kind of like if you think about Toronto, it's not just the, the Silicon, the San Francisco of, 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 of Canada, but also the New York City of Canada, mm-hmm. right? It's also the center of finance, right? So it's where a lot of things happen, a lot of opportunities happen. And obviously, it's not like there's definitely more opportunities in the U.S. because the market size is just bigger. But uh, in terms of uh, starting something in Canada, Toronto is definitely
1: a great place. Definitely, and and since now everything is depending on the uh, online world, right? You can be anywhere, and you can be serving a customer anywhere in the world. So, um, correct. So you, um, you know you're you're passionate about uh, cloud native and cloud agnostic solutions. Mm-hmm. What exactly are these? So there are
0: multiple cloud providers. We just talked about one of them, um, and it's it's. Provided by Amazon. It's called mm-hmm. Amazon Web Service, AWS. There's also another cloud provider called Microsoft Azure. Have you heard of a company name uh, called Microsoft? <laughs> vaguely. Yes. Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. No, no, no. Microsoft Azure is a, one of the biggest uh, cloud providers in the market. And so does Google Cloud Platform, which is, you know, supported by Google. Um, and they each have their own specialty, right? Uh, if you think about enterprise offering and uh, just Microsoft related products, How, how they work, uh, in orchestration with cloud, then you can probably think of, uh, you know, Microsoft Azure. Like that's, that's a really good, because it has really good foundation, really good support in terms of Microsoft native product, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about data machine learning type of service, you can probably think of Google cloud platform because they have, uh, really solid, you know, product and solution offering, uh, for data analytics, um, for, for big data and also for machine learning. But if you want to want something that's more uh, complete in terms of the overall completeness of the ecosystem and market dominance, and you're thinking of, and reliability, you're thinking of AWS, right? So mm-hmm. each of them has their own strengths and weaknesses and their specialties, and depending on your business use case, you don't really necessarily select the best cloud. You select the cloud provider that is for you, and, and you develop product and offerings and solutions based on that cloud provider leveraging their own, you know, service and offering. So that's called cloud native. So if I'm a, a data analytic company and I build my product on Google Cloud Platform, right, I can leverage a lot of their data analytic capabilities and uh, data ingestion, data engineering capabilities. And, uh, but the only, that, that type of capability only exists in Google Cloud Platform, right? If I migrate that to Amazon Web Service, I need a lot of re-engineering, a lot of thinking. Right, so so the flip side of building something that's cloud native and leverage a cloud platform's capability to the fullest is you become dependent onto that platform, and hence give birth to the idea of being cloud agnostic, meaning that you're able to lift and shift your product onto any other platform. Cloud platform. Wow. So if you build a cloud agnostic product, you build it on top of Amazon, mm-hmm. and one day you decided that perhaps you want to test out the water with other cloud provider. You can easily do that. You can simply migrate that onto another cloud platform and this type of lift and ship approach is really fascinating and it's very empowering in terms of giving you flexibility for your business yeah. right and also uh, you are adopting a lot of the sort of the open source framework open source technology so uh, in terms of attracting technical talent who really believe in open source practice, there's also a lot of potential here so obviously as you can probably already tell, Cloud-native and cloud-agnostic each have their own strengths and weaknesses and their own unique use cases. Um, and, and it's just fascinating. I'm really interested in uh, kind of comparing those two. And and sometimes you can design a product that is both cloud-native and cloud-agnostic. Does right. that make sense? So for instance, let's say an open source service like Kubernetes. There's something called Kubernetes, which is something that's used to uh, orchestrate containers. Each cloud provider have their own version of that service, have their own version of Kubernetes. Amazon has something called EKS, Elastic Kubernetes Services uh, service, and mm-hmm. Azure has something called AKS, Azure Kubernetes Service, and Google has GKE, Google Kubernetes Engine. Now, all of them have their own cloud-native version of fully managed Kubernetes service, but if you design your product based on containerization and Kubernetes. You can easily transfer the Kubernetes from one platform to the to the other one, even though there's a bit of learning curve in terms of learning what's the what's the what's their platforms UI look like. But the the learning curve is not that steep, right? So there you are able to develop something that is both cloud native and cloud agnostic. But in order to do that, you have to understand every platform's strength and weaknesses, and understand their product offering, and also have some background with cloud agnostic solution design.
1: So one of the things I want to know since uh, you're in it, there's a lot of people out there that are afraid of, you mentioned machine learning, AI, you know, because of movies and you see the end of the world is right. uh, like Robocop or whatever. What do you think about it? Do, do you worry about machine learning or AI or because you're in that world, you have zero worries? So, uh, I mean, there's a foundation
0: called OpenAI that specifically deal with this type of ethical AI Mm -hmm. uh, type of discussion. Um, So it it was funded uh, by Elon Musk and a group of other uh, professionals. Um, And um, their goal is to develop artificial intelligence and build AI-related products Mm -hmm. uh, to serve humans, right? So it's definitely an initiative and something that people always have in mind when it comes down to leveraging machine learning or artificial intelligence uh, when they, when they create product offering right now um it's not a threat to humanity
1: yeah.
0: in the in the current stage now it's hard to say for the next 10 20 years what what, what it will be but in the foreseeable near future it doesn't pose any threats however it does automate a lot of tasks and jobs that that uh, that can' be done you know previously with labor force but that's that's inevitable the economy will be you know, shift it towards something that's more, uh, more, more kind of, uh, efficient form. Uh, it's, it's, you can't stop technology from advancing. Yeah. The key thing here is how, how to make sure that, um, how do you transition, uh, you know, uh, industry professionals, uh, to, to help them mi- assimilate and migrate into, into newer job positions that become the social problems. And that's something that we even like are, are constantly thinking about. Uh, we're in the process of developing a knowledge sharing platform that allow uh, knowledge transfer from one, from one person to the other. Um, that, that the overall process become much more easier. Uh, so imagine, let's say you're an accountant, right? Um, in the world of automation, a lot of your work can be automated. Uh, and if you only do things manually, uh, you're likely not as competitive as someone who knows about automation, mm-hmm. right? Because your the work that can be done by yourself. Uh, you can easily automate that, and and you know do do it much quickly, much more quicker, right? So for an accountant, I, it may be important or valuable for me to learn something about automation. How do I automate something with a script, right? Uh, and, and me as a programmer, uh, I probably want to learn something about accounting because my job requires it. Like let's say if I work for a company like Intuit or uh, mm. you know some some company that that, that deal with like ERP, right? That that deal with a lot, a lot, a lot of the accounting procedure. Um, so I want to learn accounting, and then there's another accountant who wants to learn about programming. I can create a course, and then trade that knowledge with his with the the accountant's you know accounting course knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, and in this process, I get to learn more about accounting, and and that that person get to learn more about software development. And um, I think this type of sort of knowledge swap. And, and adapting to new environments, uh, th- this type of technology or this type of way of thinking will become more popular as automation kicks in, as you know the machine learning, the, the artificial intelligence become more um, massively adopted in the market. Okay. Uh, so, yes, I think there's definitely threat in the sense that you can't expect yourself to do repetitive jobs, manual jobs uh, uh, throughout your entire career. But there's also a lot of opportunities, um, for you to, um, adapt a new environment and, you know, capture, capitalize the, uh, the, the technology advancement, if that makes
1: sense. It does. So listen, one of the things I want to know, for example, as, as a consumer, I was not too long ago, uh, over the last few weeks looking at two tools, basically two software, uh, providers or software i guess software as a service i suppose and both companies wanted my business and both said they were ai based companies but company a would say that company b is not ai and company b would say the same thing about the other one right how can a normal person that like me that doesn't know anything about coding how can I tell if it is an AI or if it's just if-then statements? Uh, most
0: of the companies out there uh, are using AI for data science or process automation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, not to say that this is not a practice or a domain in artificial intelligence, but AI is definitely much more. But um, so far, like the most realistic use case of AI is machine learning. Is the is to use historical data uh, to sort of uh, train models and, and and create something called predictive analytics to sort of uh, predict something that could happen given uh, a particular scenario. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you're really interested, you can look at uh, Professor Andrew Wu. Uh, his last name is NG, right? But that's how you pronounce it. It's supposed to be Wu. But anyways, yeah. um, look at his lecture. He, he, he put it very nicely. Said machine or AI... Ha- has gotten really good at doing something like basically receiving some type of input and give you some output and classify some type of output. The machines have gotten really good at that. So that's, that's, that's the type of AI that, you know, what market or what startups commonly refer themselves to. Like if they, if they say, uh, I'm, I'm offering some AI product, that doesn't necessarily mean that, um, that they have something, they have like a robot on the other end Mm -hmm. that can, that can, that can, you know, behave like a human. That just means that they're able to do things in an autonomous fashion. And it requires less human labor. And it provides really high... By really high, I mean close to 100%. Or at least they would, there's some human intervention intervention there to make sure that it gets to 100% when they deliver the output. Got it. Got Does that it. make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. So who is your primary target market? Uh, our primary... Target market are mainly like startups
0: um, that are looking to build, you know, proof of concept first generation product and um, looking to scale up from there. Sometimes we have also, we also have enterprise clients, which we, um, you know, allocate dedicated consultants on site to help them develop uh, or solve their particular problems. So it's really two end of the spectrum, right? Either you're like a billion, multi billion dollar, you know, enterprise or you're a startup that just that are VC founded, and you want to build your first generation product. Those those two industries. Rarely do we see a traditional industry um, that has decent amount of revenue um, come to us and ask us to you know design a customized solution for them. Um, but I think that that may change. But so far, that's what we what we observed in the market. All
1: right. And now, one of the things that goes through through my head is, for example, you you are in Canada, and your team is in Canada. Right, so I mean, I know how good you guys are, but for the person that doesn't know, often there's solutions like overseas. That uh, you know, if you want to hire somebody for four or five bucks an hour, that there's such right. thing, right? Not, I'm not saying that sure. I, re- I recommend it. No, so,
0: no, I would. I, I would. I would recommend that. Yeah, if you, yeah. If, you know, like, if you what if you trust someone who would, you know, build something for you four or five bucks. Uh, and there are tons of vendors out there that do that. Mm-hmm. I recommend you go with it. You know, like you're willing to take the risk, then you should at least, uh, test out the water. But there are people, there are a lot of our clients who've been through that route and realize that it's not for them. Uh, they came to us and asked us to design something that's more robust and they're, uh, they're in for the kind of, kind of like the, the cut, call it the customer experience or they they're here because they believe that because we're, passionate, we're competent, um, what, what we build what, and what we build is more, is more reliable. And at the end, they, they realize what they're in, what they envision in mind is actually true. So, um, so yeah, very good. That's, that's, that's I very actually,
1: well, I actually so, had somebody here very, on
0: this. Yeah. That's a very interesting, uh, you know, uh, discussion conversation because, uh, you know, um, people who were who, Provide that type of, type of outsourcing services, uh, namely, like you know, a lot, a lot of development shops in India. Um, they do. They they work with a lot of you know traditional technical stack, like for instance, um, WordPress, or they build really nice um, website using HTML template,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and, and they charge charge really uh, really low price compared to North America, um, but that. Usually, isn't our target market or target clientele? We're looking to adopt best practice. We're looking to become sort of the market thought leaders um, and developing the best practice uh, in the industry, as opposed to uh, leveraging some of the traditional stand and use te- something like a template. Um, there are a lot of businesses and a lot of use cases where you can do that, but uh, that goes against the kind of our vision and and our target market, uh, mm-hmm. who are looking to innovate and. Look into you know uh, create a com- a competitive software solution. Uh, yeah, so so that's that's yeah. what I would have to say to that.:
1: All right, I actually have uh, one of the cases that uh, one of the guys he, he was on this podcast, I interviewed him, and he told the story of how he had one of those companies develop a tool for him, and he paid for it, and they actually they did develop it, but they never gave it to him. What? So he, he ended up paying for the development, but he didn't receive the delivery. And they did build it, but I guess somebody else kept it. So how does that make sense? <laughs> that's so bizarre. <laughs> so they didn't, he didn't receive the source code, nothing? Yeah, exactly. He didn't oh, receive wow. anything. But they because he was, uh, I guess he didn't know how, how things work, right? And they nothing was under his account or anything. It was just being developed. And then uh, that's what it was. He didn't get anything back
0: yeah so another thing another advantage of hiring a local team or working with uh teams that are local is that uh if you don't if if you do that you get sued (laughs) (laughs) right so there's the legal protection and it's harder to to i guess go after the people who are uh uh kind of offshore yeah.
1: So they don't have anything for you the to sue, right? There there is yeah. no company, there is nothing to grab onto. So you need a, a bit of security if you're developing something serious, I mean get a serious team. Uh right. so there right. you go. It's, a, it's hit or miss. Yeah.
0: It, it, hit or miss. You know, you, you, you toss something there, you may it may it may land in a big jar or some or sometimes it may just fall on the ground. You
1: know. So will how do you go in how do you drive customers now to uh, Fintelix do, do you do you run ads do you use um, LinkedIn or yeah, I mean we
0: we use LinkedIn a lot we try to push out content uh, sometimes write a medium article or um, sometimes create uh, you know podcasts like this or or videos where we talk about technology and one of the technology trends and uh, sometimes we invite guests to our to our own, like, kind of uh, interview and, and discussion uh, videos. And we don't really do much uh, digital advertisement yet. But, uh, we haven't really done much yet. Um, majority of our clients are just kind of organic. Uh, they've heard of us, they've seen us, and they want to learn more about us uh, or they know us through another referral. But that's definitely something that we are looking to do next. And uh, also, uh, it's something that we have in the back of our mind because, because, um, aside from the consulting practice, we're also sort of a product team. We incubate some of our own products and, uh, are develop our own solutions on the side from time to time. Uh, like 30% of our business line come from de- developing and incubating our own product. And 70% say come from the consulting practice and developing products and solutions for our clients. So as we scale those, Type of like incubated product, for instance, uh, accounting automation tool, or a uh, knowledge sharing platform. Those type of things. How do we scale those and make sure we reach out to more people? That definitely relies on, um, uh, you know, digital marketing and, and social media advertisement, etc.
1: Well, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier one of the things I always wanted to do was to become a developer or a programmer and one of the reasons was because i wanted to be able to if i'm doing something and i find a task that i do often i wanted to be able to automate my own tasks right just build something for myself uh I, how often do you do such thing like if you find do you build things for yourself that yeah, way, all the time
0: Yeah, i think i think as uh as a developer sometimes you you ha- you have to do that um aside from learning the software in the market sometimes you just have to Get yeah, hands dirty and, uh, you have to build things on your own to speed up your task. I think yeah. if people, if I have to do something repetitive for over three times, I'm starting to think, Oh, can I automate this? You know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like a, a habit now that, um, uh, that I'm in this industry. Uh, I think, uh, for, for people who are, who are watching this, if you are interested, you should start picking up like a software language, like a Python, you know, yeah. learn about Python and you can do a lot of things on your own. Uh, you can try to automate a lot of the things, um, mundane tasks that you have to do in your daily life, such yeah. as you know keeping track of records or making sure that your, um, some of the files, like you, you named the, the files correctly, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, very good. So, we'll let everybody know, if they want to find Fintelix and if they want to find you, learn more about it, where can they go? You
0: can either go on Fintelix.com or just send us an email at info at fintalix.com. There you
1: go, perfect. Yeah. fintelix.com. Email is Fintelix, info at fintelix.com, cool. and I'll put that on the show notes so you guys can check it out. And uh, I'll do it too because, uh, like I said, I often have things that that I want to ideas that come to my head. So mm-hmm. I'll, uh, whenever I get the next one, I'll contact you. Will. All right, sounds great. Thanks for being here, Will. Thank you so much, man. You have a very nice day.